we are either willing or able. And the hope is that we are all willing and able because some are willing, meaning that they have the willpower to do good in the world, but they're unable because they don't have the resources or the education to do so. Whereas other people are able and they have the ability, they have the resources and the education and the privilege, but they're unwilling to do anything about it. And so the hope is that we can take both parties and make them both willing and able. Welcome to the Lion's Paw Podcast, represented to you by Jack Greenberg and Dawid Kiflamarium. A podcast for the people, a voice for the times, learn and grow through the perspectives of real people covering topics from philosophy to activism, personal development to community engagement and more. Word, sound, and power. For all of our viewers, for all of our family and friends out there tuning in, this is episode six, um, and we're looking at a quote from uh, Karl Marx, and it goes by, from each according to their ability to each according to their need. And uh, I believe it was Jack, you, who uh, who suggested this quote, and this is, you know, this was after our last week's episode, episode five, where we were looking at the uh, the topic of growing where you're planted, and we were looking at some ideas about, you know, the relationship between happiness, growth, and development, and the balance between the two, and the, between the three, excuse me. So, yeah, I'm excited, man, and um, just checking in with myself, this these conversations always do a lot for me, um, and I'm looking forward to doing this one. Uh, I wasn't familiar with this quote prior to our, you know, you mentioning it, so I'm excited to, to to examine it and 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 learn from each other. Yes, man, I appreciate that, and uh, I feel very blessed. And I'm in a beautiful open nature space, and uh, this this quote means a lot to me because. It has to do with a concept that is uh, very important to me that I've uh, I've been thinking about a lot lately, um, especially about helping people and and how to help people best and who needs help. Uh, and uh, this quote harkens back to uh, an idea, right, where we are either willing or able, and the hope is that we are all willing and able because some are willing meaning that they have the willpower to do good in the world, but they're unable because they don't have the resources or the education to do so. Whereas other people are able and they have the ability, they have the resources and the education and the privilege, but they're unwilling to do anything about it. And so the hope is that we can take both parties and make them both willing and able. Very beautiful, very powerful. Um, I think it's probably best maybe if you lead off some of the the first questions. Um, but, yeah, wonderfully said, wonderfully said, um, wonderfully said. Yeah, so so for me, this is kind of blowing this up into how do we create a society, right, that allows people to have both the willingness and the ability to do good in the world. Uh, so So the first question I have is what does it look like to run a society where people contribute what they can and receive what they need. Hmm. To receive what they can. Um, sorry, the last part. The the last part. If you could so repeat the, that. Re, to repeat the question, what does it look like to run a society 
where people contribute what they can and receive what they need. Wow, it looks like uh looks like the kind of society I would like to be part of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um I think I think for me and perhaps bringing it bringing it, you know, front and center clear to 2020 where we are right now where certain um injustices and things that the United States has tried to make invisible have become visible you know in regards to the relationship between class and quality of life um and the ability to make decisions that influence you know where you live the resources you have access to so i think you know answering that question it looks like living in a society where we we start to address the we start to address what we have you know, swiped under the rug, which in the U.S., and, you know, that's where I'm living now in New York City, is is racial injustice, um, is, 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 is socio, socioeconomic injustice, is residential segregation, is, is environmental degradation, and how the same communities that black resources are always the same communities that are most heavily impacted by um, environmental degradation, whether they're living near you know, incineration plants, power plants, major expressways where air pollutants are emitted, like these are the communities that have been historically oppressed. I think it's about addressing that history, you know, and allowing it to be taught in schools, allowing us to become more comfortable, you know, comfortable, not like accepting, but comfortable like we've reached some a collective maturity where we can look back in the past and, you know, address what we need to address so we can move forward in a sustainable and just way or even begin to at least shape a better definition of what justice means today you know because what justice means today i feel like it's far from what justice is intended to mean you know so and i don't know if we can ever even meet that you know but based off of where we are but i think moving slowly you know as fast as we can progressively in that direction mm, that's that's very powerful my friend and it sounds like to me that that society for you is based on humility and responsibility. Yeah, humility, responsibility, and responsibility to each other and to the to the planet. In Ayman philosophy, you know, I I don't subscribe to a philosophy where I just take from the earth and I don't give anything back, or I don't leave anything for the next generation after me. You know, there's a there's a reciprocity in how I feel life works, and I think this this even I get this knowledge from indigenous indigenous wisdom, even from where I'm from in Burundi and Eritrea, and how people are you know how the people have been stewards of the land for for many years, you know, and still to this day, you know, so I see reciprocity and responsibility to each other in the land as a as a fit way you know to move forward um and to learn from all, all walks of life, you know. That's that's beautiful, and that that uh, brings into the conversation more than just humans, right? That brings mm. in to our relationship in place in the environment as a part of the environment, and how we can work in tandem with the other aspects of nature. So we're not working just for ourselves, but mm-hmm. we are working with everything in mind. And so that's mm-hmm. really beautiful. My next question is, how do you actually give people the resources that they need? 
you know, because the, the initial uh, question is from each according to their ability to each according to their needs. So how do you give people the resources that they need? Do you create more? Do you redistribute the ones that we already have? What is your take on that? I think it's a mix. Um, I don't think there's, there's one, you know, like solution fits all. I think the uh, I think a holistic um, mix of all of them kind of works well because you have some situations where you're literally, literally putting like physical resources, let's say in a school or in a hospital, you know, whatever instruments, whatever medical devices, whatever books, pens, pencils, like there's many places where those things alone can go such a long way you know, where where people have the knowledge, you have educators who are in place, but because of the lack of resources in a greater community, you know, communities that live on the outskirts, communities that, you know, like in developing countries where they really depend on farming for livelihood, you know. Um, so in some of these communities, like bringing in essential resources goes very far. But in other communities, you know, I think it's 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 a different thing, you know. Um, but I, I don't think one 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 shoe fits all. So I think it's a mix of both. I think resources need to be brought in certain areas. I think there needs to be a, a a better redistribution. You know, like in terms of addressing food security. You know, um, so much food is lost in the post harvest phase of you know a fruit a vegetable's a lifespan. So much food is lost in that stage that that accounts for so much of why food doesn't reach people it needs to reach, not because the earth is not abundant enough, you know. So I think uh, a reanalysis of the systems that provide people resources and distribute knowledge and make knowledge available, you know, at an institutional level, there needs to be like a systematic, like, re, um, revamping and, and, and renewal of how to go about that, you know. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's my take on it, you know. I definitely don't have all the solutions, but I think that many other people would kind of agree with that. And it's not me who come up with that kind of analysis either, you know. It's it's stuff I've seen from other people, you know. Just like in thinking when you're growing food, like knowing that crop rotations and, and, and growing a diversity of crops creates, you know, better soil health. Same way when you have uh, a variety of different ways of handling a problem. Kind of, you know, <laughs> nature gave us the model, you know. <clears throat> yes, I. That's how about a, how about for yourself? How how do you feel like? How do you feel like we can give people the resources they need, and or do we need to create more redistribute? Um, how, what's your take on that? Well, I'm a firm believer that we have everything that we need already in existence, and that. All it takes is a reimagination of the resources that we have to make it so that it is compatible with the current society that we have created. Uh, because like you were saying, for example, with food, uh, we waste almost half of all food that is grown and is in circulation in America. 40% of all food is thrown away, and yet people are going hungry. So to me, that signals that we don't need to create new technologies that are going to grow more food for more people. We need to realize that we have the resources already. Our values are different. Our values are differing. Our values are capitalistic and 
monetary and short term and there's no longevity or reciprocity in our value system for you know many people obviously this is not the case for everyone uh, so being able to redistribute by reimagination I think will get us a lot farther a lot quicker than any new technology can give us new resource that we find can give us now I am still a believer in technological advancements for the betterment of society. I think that we have, again, our value system is off, so we spent a lot of time, energy, and money in creating resources or technologies that actually don't serve us, you know, things like creating apps and things like certain things on social media that get us to stay on there longer. So all of our, all of our great minds are being put in the wrong direction because our values are off. And so I think that by re-evaluating re our value system, we can be better at reimagining our resources to redistribute them. Mm. Yeah, man, absolutely. I think I see. I mean, yeah, man, absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of um, similarity in things that we are we are saying, um, and that kind of has me thinking about this third question here. Um, how how can you get things like food, shelter, and education to those who exist in a system that does not currently orient itself to providing them to the common people? Uh, that's mm. a serious question. Yeah, so now we're moving from the conceptual, right, to the mm -hmm. practical. You know, from the, oh, what does that look like to how do we actually make it happen? And, uh, you know, just to preface, I don't have all of the answers. This is, a, this is an idea in progress, if you mm -hmm. will. But I think that starting with, uh, starting with getting the common people's understanding of what's important. And by common people, I just mean the people who are not ultra rich. Because mm -hmm. I think that uh, people sometimes understand that concept differently as a derogatory term. But I see it as everybody else who does not live in high, high privilege. And, of course, there are many different privileges, but I'm talking specifically about economic privilege that allows mm. you to distance yourself from your neighbor. And so I'm talking about us as a global community of the common people. And so for those common people, we need to understand what our values are and what's important to us so that we can direct the resources that we need. Because I think too often what happens is the people who have all of the money, they go, I know how to fix the common people's problems. And they go in with these technologies or these policies that actually are detrimental to the communities they're so-called attempting to help. And so the most important thing is that we have to start with the common people and understand really what it is that they are in need of so that we can get them the, the correct resources and the correct education because uh, I am a firm believer that people have the ability to help themselves far more than we give them credit for. Uh, so being able to actually provide the things that we need rather than the things that we think people need is going to be very beneficial. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, man, I agree. Um yeah, man, I agree. I, I agree 100% with you. I guess one thing that kind of pains pains my heart a little bit is um, 
Um, it just just thinking about and this this is very specific in in terms of like the the African American plight in the United States. Like like a young a young man, you know, um, maybe you know a young man, a young African American man. I said growing up in the South Bronx, you know, and I just want to even like I. Even like the reason why I'm mentioning this, I was doing some research for this, you know, internship with my work in there right now, and I was looking at the relationship between environmental injustice and COVID-19 and how lower-income communities were disproportionately impacted by um, the effects of COVID-19 because these are communities already with pre-existing poor air quality. You know, they're located near industrial facilities. Um, so this respiratory virus, COVID-19, really hit those communities the hardest. And it was like a reflection of a greater environmental injustice that's been, you know, spoken about by activists for years, you know, since the 60s and 50s. But, um, you know, these, these same communities, it's like, and the same thing in, like, the United States has the highest incarceration rate. And a majority of the people in those prisons are black and brown, you know, youths coming from those same places. And, like, to even know that there is an agenda behind, you know, keeping that consistent through generation until some some serious activists and lawyers and people get together and say enough is enough. So I I stand firm with you, you know what I mean, in terms of that people have everything they really need, you know, and... One thing I think that could really be a great practical way of of getting people these this knowledge, these skills, these resources is like workforce training programs and teaching and specifically in terms of like construction and like the, the, I think there's an interesting connection between construction, solar energy and uh, growing food and growing labs and growing green spaces, you know, that can be you know, not only for food, and it could be for all, also the, the, the commercial selling of food, like it could be an entrepreneurial initiative within these communities, but somehow, you know, being able to 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 to, to build a house, you know what I mean, to build a garden, to, 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 to plant, you know, X amount of rows of food, and like these kind of skills can help to really empower, I think, people in the direction that they may want to even live their lives, you know because they can see how self-sufficient they can become as individuals and collectives. But on a deeper level, in terms of some of those skills to empower them, I think when people grow their own food, I think when people build their own house, I think when people do for themselves and, and understand the value and the importance of doing for themselves and that, you know, it, it's possible, you know, and if you just apply yourself and your focus and, you know what I mean, it comes full circle to our first episode when we talked about knowledge of self and knowing mm. who you are and where you live and the history of where you live and you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Like all that has to come full circle in connection for you to understand that, yes, within within your mind and your heart and your soul and your the hands that the Almighty gave you, that's where your power and your ability to, to create what you wish for yourself in this world. And I think that is a greater struggle for people to see um, regardless of of class, gender, even economic background, just like the fullness of seeing the potential that you as an individual possess, but coming from a place of like human value and then also from a place of like knowledge of self and knowledge of, of life 
you know what I mean, on a deeper level. So it's kind of one of my responses. Yeah, so really, you know, giving people those skills to know how to, to build in terms of growing food for themselves, spaces to live, you know. There's a lot of planning and organization and, and a lot of different things in between, you know, building and growing food and that you learn to do. You develop a lot of great skills in that, you know. So That's a, It's a very yeah, beautiful response, man, and I appreciate it very much. And the beautiful thing about what you were talking about is that it's a reinvestment in the community. You are investing into the place that you are existing, that your family, that your community is. And that goes back to the last episode that we talked about, grow where you are planted and mm. growing roots and building roots in wherever you are currently existing rather than taking that capital, that knowledge, that resources and going outside of your community and living somewhere else with it. You are able to provide resources that can be reinvested you know, knowledge, time, skill, capital, all of those things are going back into the community, which only strengthens it, which only creates a more resilient community. And, you know, you're talking about uh, a big idea because this is all very systemic, right? This is a direct and deliberate uh, oppression of, you know, people of color, of indigenous people, of poor people in general. Uh, so it's by, serious. Exactly. It's a serious thing. And it's so real. the last the last question that I have for you mm. talks about this. It talks mm. about, you know, the idea of how do you get the oppressor to, you know, the oppressor is not just going to stop oppressing because people ask them to. And so how do you call in people to who have the privilege and ability to offer their skills, time and money to give back? What is the difference between calling in and calling out to you? Here comes trouble. Here comes the danger. Sent by the Savior. Welcome, dear Astayu. <laughs> yeah. Yes, my brother. Um, and that, that, that is, yeah, that, you know, music for me, word, sound, power is very important. And those lyrics I just shared is from a young artist named Jamar McNaughton, a.k.a. Worldwide Known as Chronix. And that is basically in response to your question is that, you know, we, we, have, we can't wait on the leaders any longer. You know what I mean? We as people, we need to, we need to go with inside ourselves. You know, we need to... I think there's something really powerful. You know, there's a quote that says, before you, before you can help change the world, you have to change yourself, you know. And I think that sometimes we might be so much, um, we might be so frustrated with society and the world that, you know, we just, we want to kind of put our energy in so many different places and feel like we might be moving forward and progressing. But really, we have to look within ourselves and, and empower ourselves. Because when you empower yourself, then you can make, you can start really empowering other people around you. You know what I mean? Because you've understood the power of empowering yourself with knowledge, with experience, you know, and um, beginning to create the community around you with people who are mature within themselves, people who are, you know, um, at peace to a certain degree, forgive themselves to a certain degree, have certain skills. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, the more work we can do with inside of ourselves, the stronger we can build our communities um, and be able to inspire. You know, I think there's also something about inspiration. Is like when you're 
when you're empowering yourself, you're also inspiring other people to empower themselves in, in, in a way you didn't even maybe intentionally plan out to do. So in the greater, you know, question that you're asking, which is a tough question, and like we said, we don't have all the answers, but I think empowering oneself opens the, the gateway and the doors to empowering others, you know, and creating a greater force to empower the world, you know. And there's many examples of that, you know. So I believe in collaboration. I believe in teamwork. And I, I think that we need to emphasize self-education, self-love, self-empowerment, because it's only when you have the skills that you can give them. And sometimes we want to help, help, help the world so much, but we have to first help ourselves and know that it's not a selfish thing. Sometimes you have to be selfish to be selfless. And maybe that causes for a new definition of selfish, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Because we, we 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 have to come to terms with the way the world is and, you know, history and the story, the stories that have been swept under the rug, you know? We know this. We've been speaking about this. It's becoming more and more visible now, so... Um, I think it's 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 in our best interest with the small time we have in our lives to not sit around and wait any longer and to get up and empower ourselves and to take initiative, you know, and to not be felt like victims anymore, you know, um, and to be able to collaborate with one another on that level and create the world we want to create, you know, for ourselves and for our children. I'm a firm believer in thinking about the next generation, you know, because all the insight and wisdom we have now that has paved uh, an avenue of light for us, you know, in many difficult times, we have to pass that on. So, you know, that, that philosophy alone helps carry me through a lot of the, the bullshit, you know what I mean? Especially right now in the United States with the presidential elections. And, you know, it's like, I, I feel like there's something greater than these presidential elections going on. Like, I was with somebody the other day, and I don't know. I just put, I don't really want to share too much of my political opinion out there. I'm not here to give anybody political advice or none of that. Just, you know, I feel like there's so much work to be done with inside yourself, you know, and with the, with the people closest to you, you know, and building around where you are, you know what I mean? So we can't, uh, like you said, we can't, like you said, Jack, I love how you point out about, you know, there's certain people who, have the luxury of not having to to see and feel what their neighbor goes through, you know? And um, we can't do that, you know what I mean? We have to love thy neighbor, you know? This is our philosophy. We come from burn down Babylon. For all the listeners out there, (laughs) light is up right now. You know what I mean? This is all about collaboration. This is all about community. This is all about the collective, you know what I mean? This is what it's about. This is what we are about, you know? And we we hope that these meditations reach you, your friends, your family, your circles, and empower you. You know, Jack, please share with our with our listeners if you have any last words, um, any even your own personal response to this question, um, or however you're feeling. Man, that was fire! That was straight fire. I hope all of our listeners appreciated that because that was straight from the heart, man. Dawid, I appreciate that myself. And uh, for this for this question, it, it talks about that people who are able but unwilling, right? Mm. It talks about the people who have the ability to do something. They have the finance, financial resources. They have the education to make a difference, and yet they live in apathy. They don't do anything except 
things that serve themselves. And so the question is, do we call them out or do we call them in? And I am a firm believer in what you were talking about, being the change that you wish to see in the world, empowering other people to do good, because mm-hmm. I think that's the only way that we can really move forward is with everyone. And no more infighting and bickering and, and calling people out and doxing and canceling. This is unhealthy. Obviously, there are people who are doing injustices, and that needs to stop. But I think the real way that we can create lasting change is if we lift other people up to where we are. We don't stoop down to their level. We lift people up where we are. And so that's why I believe calling in is so much more effective for many cases because what calling in does is it says, hey, you're sitting on the sideline. Come join this game. This is a fight for everyone, and you're a part of it whether you want to be or not. So you might as well try and make a difference while you're here. And so that's why I believe calling in is such a powerful, powerful tool because it also shows people that it's okay to be imperfect, that it's okay to make mistakes, that you don't have to be afraid because you're not going to be canceled by society, that it's okay to not know the answers, that it's okay to be wrong sometimes because everybody's here trying to get better. And I think the only way that we can all be better is if we are all better, and that takes all of us. And so the people who are doing this work, you know, I just I say to you, you're doing great work, and now it's time to lift your brothers and sisters and your family up because this is everybody has a stake in this. And even the people who feel like they're on the sideline and they're doing fine on their own, guess what? This whole, you know, coronavirus, this whole global economic collapse, everything that's going on, all the turmoil in the world, it, you know, it's not outside of you. It affects all of us. And so that's what I say to people. I say, call, call, your, call your family in, you know, instead of just saying, you know, to your old racist uncle, to your old conservative grandma, why not, don't, don't just ignore them. You don't have to fight them either. You have to lead by example and show that you are doing good work and that it's helping people. And I think that that will touch the deep humanity that lies within all of us. We give thanks for the ones who came before us, the ones who are here, and the ones who will come after us. This is the Lion Paw Podcast. You're tuned into the sound and the voice of the original Dawit Kiflamariam and... Jack Greenberg. Yes, and we send our love to you wherever you are at this time. Jack, it's been a pleasure and an honor, and um, I look forward to episode seven, my brother. Same way, my friend. Till then. All right. Honor and respect.